Right here in this very corner, we have vacant seats. Come on in if you are in the coffee shop or in the foyer. We're going to get going this morning. All right, settle down, settle down. I know we're all excited to be here this morning. We decided to gather as many of you at one time, at the same time, together this morning. That was the plan. And here you all are. My name is Amy. If we haven't met, I want to welcome you. If you are new here this morning, we do want to say hi, and we do have a gift for you. And so on your way out today, um, please connect at our info booth if you want to hear more about what's going on here at Sierra Bible Church and to pick up your gifts. Uh, if you have children ages of preschool to sixth grade, you're welcome to bring them next door to our other building where they will be taught things of the Bible and dance and sing, and it's really adorable. Uh, but it's great to have them next door and have their own program. Uh, however, if you are a tiny itty bitty baby, then you're probably over there in that corner in the family room. And if you have a tiny baby that's not quiet right now, then you're in there in our cry room. I don't know if there's anyone in there. They keep it shut because for privacy, obviously. All right, so those are the things that you could do this morning. And if you are here in your seat, then you are in the right place. Um, I want to make sure you know what's happening here at Sierra Bible Church. First off, uh, we have a Passover feast that is scheduled at the end of this month. Uh, that is to celebrate Jesus on March 31st. Um, there is information about this on our app. You do need to register. You need to register if you're coming, if you're going to bring your child to sit next to you, or if you're going to participate in our child care um, you also need to register that child. There are a limited amount of seats, and we are more than half full. So last time I checked, which was only one minute ago, there were about 40 seats left for the Passover feast. So if you have been thinking about that, um, I encourage you to take care of that today or this week. Um, something else coming up. I'm not sure what it is. What's the next slide? Oh, yeah, Easter. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if there was something in between, but there's not. So in less than a month away, we have our Easter services. Uh, they are at 8.30 and 10.30, like our regular service, and we do have Children's Church. Uh, we also have Good Friday service uh, three days before, Friday evening at 6 p.m., and we have Children's Church that Friday as well. So you can bring your kids. They can be in here with you, or you can bring them next door. And so for all of you in this room, I think many of you already know that Easter was coming up. Um, but we are going to just ask you to think of your neighbors and friends and people in your lives that maybe only come during this time period, uh, during the year, and we want you to invite them. And so we'll, we will have things to pass out, um, flyers and posters for you to invite your friends. You could always do the whole verbal thing. You don't need a visual. And you can invite them to our Easter or Good Friday service or both. Uh, something else. Oh, yes. Junior high camp. Uh, junior high winter camp it is at the end of this month. It's actually on March 31st, which is the same day as the Passover feast, and that crew will leave in for the weekend. If you have a junior high person in your household, uh, definitely look on our website, on our app, or talk to Pastor Caleb about getting your child gone for the weekend. Well, and they learn the Bible and things too. I think there might be one more. Yes, there is. So in April, after Easter, we have already gathered a crew of people that are construction-oriented 
to go down to Mexico to visit So Ministries for uh, this time period, April 13th, April 22nd. These people are funding their own trip, their own expenses, and their own transportation. But we are asking you, if you want to donate to the trip, that money goes directly to the orphanage. Um, it goes directly to construction materials, and they want to leave there by supplying their, uh, their food pantry and stocking their, their food for, this, for whatever, however many orphanages they can in that area. So this is just something for you to pray about. Again, we already have a team set, uh, but you can donate towards this. And next week, we are going to have burritos because it's a burrito feed next Sunday after both services. So you won't miss it as long as you're here. And you can donate and get a burrito. I don't really know what's better than that. I'm not really, what, I don't know what else I should give you. But there is going to be breakfast burritos next week. Uh, and we will talk about this construction trip. And I'll give you a little more details about what they're actually building and working on next week. Lastly, I do want to let you know that even though we went to one service today, Fellowship Sunday is still happening our team is next door doing their thing, and after we're done here, and you're all filled spiritually, you can go next door and fill your bellies and connect, all right? So don't forget that, next door after service. All right, let's get going with the, you know, the word. <laughs> Here's Pat. Okay. Good morning. If you wonder why we have two gatherings, this is why. It's kind of packed in here. <laughs> we made a bad decision. Should have stuck with two. <laughs> you never know. But uh, welcome. Glad to have you with us. We'll uh, hopefully be back to two gatherings next week. Appreciate your guys' flexibility. Uh, in the seat, when you came in, was uh, what we call our VISTA report. So grab that real quick. I just want to discuss this uh, kind of in brevity, but at the same time, let you know there, there's a lot of work that goes into this report. Um, we attempt to do this every single year, and we try to do it in a way that, uh, that is hopefully um, helps you understand what you're giving to, what you're doing as a church, what we're doing as a church and as a leadership, the vision, uh, the things we've accomplished. There is a lot to celebrate in this particular document. Uh, just so you are aware, if you take a look at it, uh, there'll be a letter in the front there from me, which you can read on your own, but it's just kind of a, a thank you for 2020, 2022 uh, and a little bit of vision shooting forward to 2023, which has to do uh, with this message we've been in the last few weeks. Uh, pretty incredible. Uh, but before, uh, actually, before I say that, all of the stats in here are for the entirety of 2022, except for the finances. The finances cover our fiscal year. We run a, a fiscal year from October to October. Uh, and so those numbers are a little bit different. And all of these things are really, for us as a church, uh, really are some of the greatest things that we've seen in the history of the church, which I think is a fulfillment of what Pastor Wayne said when he transitioned. He said he really believed that when he transitioned in leadership, that the days of Seer Bible Church would be better than the, in front of it than behind it. Uh, and so we've had, we had this last year 40 professions of faith. Uh, that's pretty incredible as a church. 35 baptisms, uh, which is quite beautiful. You can see we support families uh, from meals to uh, VBS to uh, our worship team. We've got 15 community groups. Uh, there are some financial things in here that are important to see, like our deacon board, which helps with benevolence. 
not only do they work with their hands, but they also provide funds when needed. $12,000 went out uh, for that. If you look to the far right, uh, some of you may not be aware, we partner with what's called the Christian Missionary Alliance. And the Christian Missionary Alliance is, is an organization uh, that was basically founded on church planting and missions, both locally and globally. So whether you're aware of this or not, we give to local missions, planting of churches. When I mean local, I mean United States of America. Uh, we help plant churches in the U.S. We help plant churches uh, abroad. These are all things that we uh, play a big role in. So you can kind of see on the right hand, we help support 706 international workers. That's missionaries abroad, 140 people, people groups. 140 cities are represented with that, 38 languages and dialects. Uh, during the last year, 20 tons of food given to Ukraine alone, which is pretty incredible, uh, and 48 new church plants worldwide. Uh, all of that to be said, we just want you to be aware that, that your funds are being well used, and we're using them for the kingdom of God and for his glory. And then if you go to the next page, you can see all of the fun stuff here. Uh, this, this particular portion here with all of the charts and all the doodads, um, don't ask me questions about this, okay? Uh, you're going to want to ask two people. I'm going to give you two people to go to. Uh, individual number one, Joe Casey. Joe Casey oversees all our finances. Uh, and the other uh, guy I'll point to is Doug Brown, who, who is in here somewhere. Where are you, Doug? Usually you sit right in here. Oh, tricked me. There he is. D raise your hand higher, Doug. You have financial questions this morning. You see that gray-haired guy right there? He's a wizard. He's a wizard with money. He is. And if you want to know how to use a spreadsheet uh, in a way that, that just seems very magical, I mean, he can do things on the spreadsheet that is just, whew, man, good Lord, Holy Spirit stuff right there. Thank you, Doug. What I, what I want you to understand is pretty incredible. Uh, several years back, one of our uh, elders, Andrew Holbrook, who's sitting in the back, Andrew said to me, hey, do you remember, and I didn't even remember saying this, uh, but when I wasn't even the lead guy in one of our board meetings, I said something along the lines of, uh, I, I believe and I'm hoping for and praying for one day that the church will bring in over a million dollars. In the last couple years, we've, we've done that, which is pretty incredible. And, and that just is a representation of funds and all of, those are just metrics, right? Th those things aren't the number, like money's not the number one thing. Uh, and, and some of these numbers aren't the number one thing. The gospel's the number one thing. And oftentimes, to get the gospel to other countries and locations, it requires funds. I don't think I have to convince you of that. Someone's got to pay for the lights, and someone's got to pay for the mission, and someone's got to pay for the gas, and someone's got to pay for the training. And we've been able to provide these things in abundance. And these numbers show that, which is just uh, really incredible. So um, if you have questions on those, make sure that you, again, you ask Doug and you leave me alone. And then... Um, and then on the last page, uh, not the last page, but the last section there, uh, if you're not familiar with our staff and our leadership team, th these are the people you need to know. These are the people that you want to connect with. And then on the very back, right, we've been in uh, a series called Serve because we want you to increase in your attitude for service and your heart for service because that is what Jesus said he came to do in Mark. It's behind me. We've been saying it every single week. He came to serve, not to be served. And so here are all your connections uh, in, in regards to who to contact for uh, any place that you desire to serve. Men's ministry, women's ministry, children, youth. Uh, we have a, a large 
uh, swath of areas that you can serve in. Okay, so if would you give me uh, just give our team a round of applause? A lot of effort and work put into this. Um, <clears throat> there's uh, these are one of those things that that we need to do every year to just let you know where we're at. Um, and I'm just trying to think if there was anything else in here I really wanted to highlight. Um, but uh, I will say, if you look over at facilities and things like that, we've been able to do some improvements here uh, as a church uh, over the last couple years, which we're thankful for. But as you can kind of see, just in this one particular gathering, our church is completely at capacity uh, in almost every single way that you can think of. Uh, we, we're out of room in a lot of places. We don't have storage. Uh, and, and obviously, when snow gets like this, we don't have parking. Uh, and, and so that makes all those kind of things a little more difficult. So one, I'll say thank you uh, for not being a people of convenience, because uh, sometimes getting here, being here, is con- inconvenient. Uh, and so thank you for that. And, and um, pray that God would give us real, real clarity on what we do next, because we are praying, you know, a couple things. I'll just, I'll just be, oh, can I be transparent? We're Christians, right? We're supposed to be transparent. Um, what would God have us do? Does he want us to expand? You know, do we need a bigger building? Do we need to add a third service? Those are all things we're talking about. Uh, one of the other things that, that we're really, 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 really early in on, uh, we're praying through and asking, Lord, do you want us to plant? Do you want us to take SVC and, and, and plant another church? Uh, a very easy location, for instance, would be Reno. Uh, we know several of you are here from Reno. Let me just... Uh, let me, let's just see for a moment. How many of you reside in Reno this morning? How many of you live in Reno? Just take a, take a look around. And this, th- that's, not even, that's not even all of you. There's more of you. Uh, and so we're praying about that too. So be praying with us. And, and as you know, in the series on service that we've been talking about, we've been in Romans chapter 1. So go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. And if you ha- need a Bible, raise your hand. <clears throat> And one of the ushers will gladly hand you one of ours. And we've been in this service, this service series. This will be the fourth week. So I'm, I'm finishing this series this week. Now, to a small degree, I want you to see that it is possible to preach through a small segment of Scripture for multiple, multiple weeks. That's how vast and how deep and how beautiful scripture is. Uh, And so in the last several weeks, we've just been taking just a couple little segments out of Romans 1 from Paul's letter to the Romans, a church that he has never met. Yet we have seen that his heart is open to this church. right? If you remember over the last few weeks, we talked about the number one thing. Take a look at Romans. Again, we've been in this for a few weeks. I know some of you maybe haven't heard the messages, and you can go back. Uh, but I will try to share with you briefly what we've covered. Notice, first of all, he says in verse 1 of chapter 1 that he calls himself a servant. Paul's identity, which is rooted in the gospel, which is rooted in Jesus, is he's a servant. Another way of saying that is he considers himself a slave to Christ. He is not his own person. He is a living sacrifice. He gives us in verses 1 through 6 a brief, very brief introduction of the gospel. He's sharing with us the reality of what the Son of God has done in power for sinners, that he has died, he has been resurrected, 
including, he says in verse 6, all of those who belong to Jesus Christ. Hopefully that is you this morning. Hopefully this morning you know and you are sure of your faith, that you believe in Christ as the Son of God, the one who has atoned for your sins. And then he specifically, in verse 7, says to those who are loved by God, the Romans, called to be saints, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ. First, he says, verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith. It is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. So we've been highlighting this, this one little specific point and kind of building around it. What is that one specific point? It is the point that Paul makes that he serves, he serves with his spirit, Jesus. Specifically, he says that his service, his service is a service of the heart. It's a service of the soul. It's deep within him. He's all in. He's all in to the gospel. He's all in for serving for the gospel. It's important for us to make that note because the service that Paul is talking about, the Christ-like service he's talking about is specifically for the Son through the gospel. That is important because you can do all kinds of good. You can do all kinds of nice things. You can give to all kinds of really good charities. But if the gospel is not at its, its center, at its core, then Paul wouldn't have anything to do with it. I mean, have you ever noticed that's, like, that's the thing to do? The thing to do now is to say, buy our product, and if you buy our product, uh, we'll use some of that product for ourselves, and then we'll use some of that product for someone else. Right? Who remembers Tom's? Remember when Tom's came out? Right? You get a pair of Tom's, and, and, and then someone in Africa gets a pair of Tom's. Remember that? I just imagine the people in Africa going like, what in the world are they doing? Throw it away, you know? It's better to be barefoot than to wear Tom's. <clears throat> Everyone in society understands that we should be about good. However, if we're honest, and I think Paul knew this, I think the Romans probably were guilty of this. I'm sure they were. Because what helped Rome fall in similar fashion of what will ensure the doom of America is self-indulgence and self-centeredness. Our society is marked with self-indulgence in our society, is it not? Those who are affluent, those who have money, it seems, only continue to get more money. And now those who have all of the money who are affluent, if we're honest, they can pay for just about everything that they want. One of the things that we've secretly been discussing as a staff that I'm now letting out in the open is how some of those in this community that are local are raking in the dollars, shoveling roofs and things like that, right? Uh, and if that's you, congratulations. Congratulations on now being rich, right? <clears throat> But the reality is, is that, that someone else said, all we're doing is helping the flatlanders last longer here. <laughs> I love flatlanders. If you are from the Bay Area, I love you. I want you to know that because in, in the name of trucky love, you don't always feel that way, right? 
But I love you. I, I, I want to see more people from the Bay Area move here because there's an opportunity to share the gospel with them. I know not every, that's not a popular opinion, but to me, when someone moves here, it just says, oh, opportunity to preach the gospel. Uh, but nonetheless, we know that those who have money have the ability to pay for anything that they want. They, they really don't need to engage themselves in a whole lot of work because they can pay to have it done. Right? There are very few billionaires shoveling their own roofs. Uh, I don't know, maybe there is. But the concept, I think we understand the concept of service, the idea of service. And this is why we've spent four weeks here. The idea of service is dying in our culture. It doesn't take long to go somewhere to realize that it seems service, serving people is disappearing. Giving yourself away is disappearing. Because we're really a culture about self-esteem where everybody does whatever they want to do to fulfill their own dreams and their own ambitions and their own goals and their own desires. The idea of losing your life for somebody else just doesn't seem, just doesn't seem to fit the drive for personal fulfillment and personal satisfaction. I mean, we live in this culture, right? You hear guys talk about getting first chair, you hear guys talking about making sure they get the fresh lines. It's all about making sure that you get yours. And once you get yours, God forbid somebody else encroach upon what is yours. One of the reasons locals are so frustrated as people move in is because they feel someone's taking something from them. To me, it's a declaration of sowing our society really isn't about service. It's more about itself. And there is a biblical call to serve. We've been highlighting this for four weeks. To serve oftentimes is translated in the New Testament as to worship. So it's an act of showing God in adoration and love. <clears throat> and, God, and here Paul says, I, I serve, I serve the gospel. I serve Jesus with my spirit. I serve him with my open heart. So you have to serve God with an open heart, or you're really not serving God really at all. Your soul has to be open to assisting. Listen to what Ephesians 6.5 says. Paul uses the word bondservant again, but he writes to them. He says, of bondservants, of those who are free will slaves, he says. He says, you are to serve. Listen carefully. This is how we're to serve. This is how we're to lay our lives for the gospel, for Christ. Not by the way of eye service, he says. We serve not so people can see it. We don't serve as people pleasers, he says, but we serve as bond servants, free will slaves, doing the will of God from the heart. Right? It's the same thing he's just said in Romans that we've been repeating week after week after week. Serving God from the heart, from the total being of who you are. Rendering service with goodwill to the Lord and not to man. Who do we serve when we serve? The Lord. Well, it's not a scary answer. He says it in Ephesians. When we serve children's church, picking up trash around a building, serving our wife, serving our husband, serving our children, serving our community, all of these things Paul would emphasize, Scripture would emphasize, Christ would emphasize, we do it for the Lord with an open heart, not to man knowing that whatever anyone good does, he'll receive it back from the Lord. So we don't do our service for rewards from man. We do it as, as knowing God will reward us. Amen? Okay, so 
quick little introduction there for this week, but we talked about in the following weeks, the previous week, sorry, an open heart, a heart of gratitude. Notice he thanks God for all of them. So his service is filled with gratitude. That's number two. We talked about last week that service was filled with prayer. You can see that in the text. Paul uses redundant language. I, without ceasing, pray for you always, he says. So we need to be a people of prayer, a people of gratitude. And last week, we also emphasized a people who are willing, willing to submit to God and willing to raise our hands as volunteers. Two more this week, and we will conclude our service series. Here's the two. I'll give them to you in advance. They're already in your notes. Community and generosity. Let's talk community. Look at verse 10. Always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at least succeed in coming to you. Community. We serve as a people not only to glorify God, not only to serve people who are made in his image, to worship him, but service draws us into the communal presence of Christ as well as the communal presence of other people. It's about community. You're here this morning, surrounded by one another. Our church happened to be for a period of time. Some of you won't like this, and some of you will rejoice. I just mention it as a point to say that, that this particular congregation understands its need for community. We were the very first church probably in the entire Tahoe Basin to say we will not close our doors. We will not enforce rules. We will not make you wear a mask. It became really apparent through the coronavirus that what was missing was community. And what was ultimately killing us wasn't necessarily a virus, but was isolation and loneliness. Yahoo came up with an article this week that I saw that said this. This is staggering. This is quite sad. More than 60% of young men in their 20s 60% in their 20s are single. Now, that may not seem very radical until you take a look at uh, those who, well, let me just read the stat here and, and we'll, we'll dig in more. More than 60% of, of, of young men in their 20s are single. Nearly twice the rate of unattached young women. Men, in particular, are not in community. Young men in particular. That's what it's saying here. Let me continue with the quote. Men in their 20s, are more likely than women in their 20s to be romantically uninvolved. Do you hear that? In your 20s. Now, I remember what it was like to be 20s. All I could think about was being romantically involved. <laughs> the rate of, unattracted, of, of unattached young women, men in their 20s, are more likely than women in their 20s to be romantically uninvolved, sexually dormant, and in addition to that, the study says they're also friendless and lonely. They're calling it a crisis of connection. What coronavirus and all of the things that have brought about, it has led to more depression. It has led to more isolation. It has led to more loneliness. It has led to more anxiety than any time that we could ever think of in our history. I'm sure there have been other times in history where that has been the case. But you and I, friends, are living through a historical moment in the United States. And it's a moment where people are dying 
of loneliness and connection. And you hear Paul's service, you hear him. He's not met these people in Rome. He's not met this church in Rome. And he's longing to be with them. Because he knows that the gospel draws us into into one another's lives. Do you remember what Proverbs 18.1 says? It's one of my favorite verses. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against sound judgment. The person who says, I don't need church. The person who says, I don't need community. The person who says, I don't need prayer. I don't need service. I don't need to be served. I don't need to serve. I can do it by myself. Proverbs says you're raging against any kind of sound thinking. So service for us, why we serve, isn't to just serve by ourselves. It's to be in community. Listen to what Peter says about this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one of us, has received a gift. Oh, this is interesting. And, and this is interesting because if you remember, or, or if you just look at the text, Paul says, I long to come to you. I long to be with you. Paul essentially is saying, the letter is insufficient to a certain degree. I want to see your face. And he says, I want to see your face. Why? What does he say in the text? What, to what end? I want to give you something. I want to give you a gift. I, I want to come for our, uh, not only to give you a gift, but because we will be mutually encouraged and we will be mutually strengthened by one another. Do you see it there? It's right there before you. Paul's saying, I got to come to you because I want to give you something. I want to give you a gift. And the word, the language that's used there is the same word that's charis, which is, which is this, this gift that comes from God and God alone. That's what he's saying. I want to give you a gift that is unearned. You didn't earn it, but it's from God. And in 1 Peter, he says, each one of us has received a gift. It's the same language there. It's a gift from God. Who's been given a gift from God? All y'all. Every single one of you. He goes on in 1 Peter chapter 4.10. We have received this gift from God. To what end? He says to use it to serve one another as good stewards. Okay, so a couple questions. One, do you know your gift? <laughs> Two, if you know your gift, what Peter has just told us is that you have to be a good steward of that gift. So the next question is, how is your stewardship in the gifts that God has given you? Are you stewarding your gift well? For me, preaching is the main thing that I do. And I still to this day continually am studying how to do a better job, uh, which is fun because there are a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions on how you should preach. But nonetheless, I have an obligation to sit before the Lord with the gift that he has given me and ask God, am I stewarding this well? Or am I taking it lightly? Am I studying? Am I meditating? Am I praying through these things? And then he goes on and he says to be good stewards of God's varied grace. So we know it's a gift of grace. Now that word God's varied is translated as multifaceted, or many varieties, it's Paul's way, it's Scripture's way of saying, 
you have, God has given the church a multifaceted variety of gifts to serve one another. And there really are two groups of gifts. Are you ready for them? You want to know, okay, well, well, how do I know what my gift is? Well, Paul tells us in Peter. I'm sorry, Peter tells us in Peter. Verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified. Do you hear the two gifts? Speaking gifts and behind the scenes gifts or upfront gifts and behind the scene gifts. Right? We have people and thank God for them. There are people who, who can be up front and they can serve you by being up front. Are you thankful for a worship team that are the last couple months, man, they've just been whew, bringing us into the presence of the Lord, huh? Hasn't it been good? I am thankful that Brad, as our main leader, has served the Lord well and stewarded his gifts well for God's glory and for our church's good. That's a great thing. And, and if you are part of that team, sound booth or otherwise, you know how much time, energy, and effort goes into that and even how open and willing Brad has been to continue to learn new ways to uh, share his gift with our congregation. Are you a good steward so that God would be glorified? MacArthur says, we have been given divine enablement to serve and we are to use it as good stewards for community, for one another. Right? You, you know the one another's are important, don't you? 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Now, here's the challenge in a season like this, right? I, I think it's somewhat uh, filled with irony that we're talking about service and all we've been doing is working hard on our homes and our driveways and what have you, right? The question I think could be asked in here is, have you been seeking your, the good of your own roof or your neighbor's roof as well? Have you been helping your neighbor, serving them, loving them? Because Philippians tells us also 2.4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but the interest of others. Romans 12.2, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. It's community. It's neighborly. It's loving. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I think this is important. Turn, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you didn't turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, because I think this is important in here with community as well. It's actually one of my favorite Bible verses. But it speaks to the idea of how important community is. And how important it is that, that when we serve, that's how we get into community. If you want to get to know somebody, start serving with someone. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. This is the introduction of this verse. You are a living stone. You have been rejected by the world... But in the sight of God, he has chosen you, and you are precious to him. Amen? That's beautiful. Chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, each of us a stone, being built up as a spiritual house. Do you see it? You can see something that's important here. It, 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 we'll, we'll say it a little bit later. You're valued and you're treasured. You're the new temple. 
to be, it says, a holy priesthood to offer up, you could say this is service as well. What? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ with Jesus as the cornerstone. So you get the picture, right? It's like the building. You are a stone, but you're alive. (laughs) And that stone is being built upon other stones. It's Christian upon Christian. That's how the church is built. Christian fitted against Christian. Fitted against Christian. Built up to be holy and acceptable to Christ. And the cornerstone that holds it all together is Jesus. And look at verse 9. But you are a chosen, you are a chosen race, a chosen royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, treasure, that you may proclaim, that's your purpose, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's a couple of things we can in- infer from this. Number one, you can't just come to church. You have to be fitted into the church. You can't just attend. You have to have a spot. The wall is being built up. This is what he's saying. You can't throw one block down, skip a block, and hope the other one will float. That's Minecraft, okay? My kids played enough. I know exactly what happens. That doesn't happen in real world, real life, okay? It's, it's you can't just attend. You have to be fitted into the church, The other thing you have to see is because we're living stones, they remain. They have to spend time together. In order for the house to be built up, the stones need to be fitted together, strengthening one another, supporting one another. So you can't just come in, kind of look at everybody and never talk to anybody and leave. Here's the encouragement for the back row Christians. Make your way to the front every now and then. Right? The encouragement is, okay, let let me be honest with something. Let me be honest with something. Those of you in the back, and not all of you you are in the back. Amy's in the back. So it's not, and Amy's doing plenty around here, okay? So there needs to be, this is just, this is my own personal opinion, and this isn't a teaching moment. Just, this is just uh, for the sake of evangelism. There's a difference between what I'm about to say and what God would say. But I think there's a place for people to come into the church, check it out in the back and leave without feeling threatened. However, after a period of time, hopefully the gospel, hopefully the spirit of God, hopefully what you're hearing, hopefully what you're seeing causes you to not want to just sit in the back, but to start fitting into the church. That you know the people here. And not only do you know the people here, and now granted, you're not going to know everybody, but that you love the people here. So, so the encouragement is if you're in the back and, and you're like, oh my gosh, she's picking on me. And you may not be in the back. You may be visiting, you're in the front, and you think you're, you're hiding easier in the front. And you're not. I can, I, this room's not that big. <laughs> There's a place to come and question and to explore, but God should be calling you to more. Right, explore for sure, but eventually you're going to be given a purpose. You're going to be given a gift. And the stones have to be placed in the right spot. Right? We've got a youth pastor. Because that's the right spot right now for him. Right? We, we've got missionaries. 
Travis is in Mexico. That's the right spot for that living stone. And even though he's in Mexico, we give and we pray for and we talk. We're fitting together. How incredible is it that we have a missionary we can talk to, we can meet, we can see, we can go see him, we can actually say hi to him, we can help with the building. That's fitting together. Stone, rubbing against stone, rubbing off the hard edges of one another. And that can be difficult. How many of you remember in school when you used to do the rock tumbler thing? Was that just my experience? You get a bunch of rough rocks, throw them in a tumbler with some sand, and, the, and, and then after a period of time, after they've been in that rock tumbler for, for however long it is, they come out and they're smooth and they're beautiful and they don't look anything like they used to. That's what happens when you start getting fitted into the church. You get polished. But you know what? It is like being in a rock tumbler. It is. It isn't. Anybody who's been a Christian long enough knows, man, Christians sure know how to just bump into one another. Because we expect, we expect more out of one another because we're Christians. But here's the reality. You still have sin, and you still make mistakes, and you still are in need of a body of Christ to show you those mistakes. And there is no better mirror than to serve with one another to see your mistakes but you can't see it as an invitation of criticism, but an invitation into your sanctification. One commentary says, the early Christian groups would have stood out strangely distinctive by the fact that they practiced no sacrificial ritual. They didn't name any one person as a priest. They looked to no temple like the one in Jerusalem. And Christianity came along, and it was the very first religion in the history of the world that said, you don't need a temple, you don't need an altar, you don't need a priest, you don't need any sacrifices. And Peter comes in with the most revolutionary message possible, and he says, what? There's no temple? Not exactly. He's saying there is a place where you can experience the Spirit, there is a place where you can touch the divine, but there, here's how it's done. Not by laying brick upon brick, but laying Christian upon Christian. And what Peter is saying is, you find God, you find God, one of the ways I will add, you find God through Christian community. I want to know what God looks like. You have to serve one another. There's no way out of this. This is a call for every Christian to be in service two other Christians in their local body. Now, now we, we're trying to cover as many areas as we can, right? We, we're called to serve in our marriages, serve our kids, serve our community. And, and so all of this plays out in a lot of different ways, and I don't have time to get into how it works out in all of those different ways, but the main one I'm trying to thrust into here is to drive home this Paul's heart. I long to be with you. I long to fellowship with you. And I long to serve you. And then here's the last one. For what reason? Verse 11, to impart a gift. See, Paul says, I want to be with you, but I don't want to just, I'm not just coming into the community just to attend. I'm coming to, I want to come to transfer something to you. That word, impart a gift, it is literally, I want to take something I have that is a gift from God, charisma, and pass that off to you. 
And, and, and the reality is when he's, this, this particular word that he's using, this charisma gift, this gift that is from God, he's saying, ultimately he's saying, I have something to give to you that's from God, from the Holy Spirit. And when you find this word, you can find it in several different ways that it's speaking specifically of the gift of Christ. I want to give you Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. When I serve you, ultimately what he's saying is, I want to give you a gift that shows you who Jesus is. But it could also, also be translated and used for giving a gift of blessings. I want to give you Jesus, and I want to give you blessings. I want to bless you. Or it could be used of a specific spiritual gift from Christ to someone else. And I think ultimately this is why. That what I'm going to share with you this morning is ultimately the end game of Paul's service. Now, to one degree, under the right headings of our theology, everything is done to glorify God. We serve to magnify God. We love our wives because it makes God look great. Right? We do these things because it's an outpouring of a relationship with Jesus that makes Jesus seem what he really is, which is beautiful and attractive and healing and pure. But the end game for this gift, for Paul, look at verse 12. He tells us what the end game is. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by one e each other's faith, both yours and mine. Look at verse 13. I don't want you to be unaware. I've often intended to come, but I've been prevented. I'm uh, under obligation, he says, to the Greeks and the barbarians, wise and foolish, to preach the gospel. And then he goes on and says, I'm not ashamed. All of these things is Paul saying, I want to give you something, and ultimately, for your strength, the end game, here it is, the maturation of the church. It's to, it's to mature. See, Paul's saying, I want to give you something that I have, that I know I possess, but he's ultimately saying, God cares about the maturity of a church. Did you know that God cares about your maturity level? Let me quote a great verse for you to share with anybody who's young. When I was a child, I thought like a child. Then I became a man, I hope. And I put away childish things. Right? I, I, I no longer think like a child. There's another place where Paul says, man, at this point in your faith, you should be eating the meat of the word. But instead, you still long for milk. He's saying some of us as Christians, all we really care about is sucking on the bottle of faith. When Jesus is saying, listen, do you want to try this beautiful cut of meat? Do you want to try this beautiful meal? It's going to take uh, some teeth, though. <laughs> In order to eat this meal, you need some teeth. And, and, and when you start to get teeth... Right? It starts to kind of hurt a little bit because when you're serving and you're rubbing along with each other, that's all part of the sanctification and you start to feel it in your mouth. And, and how many of you ever had braces when you were younger? You remember how you just didn't want to eat anything when you had braces? Like, like you've got to strengthen those teeth. I got veneers a while back just so you're all aware. These are all fake. And I have broken them probably like 15 times. And, and man, after a while, at first when you break your teeth, if you've ever break, broken your teeth as often as I have, It hurts. Like, you're like, it's just bone, but it hurts. And then after a while of taking a beating and being in the rock tumbler of, of veneers, if you will, I don't feel anything anymore. They're strong. I can eat anything I want. 
because it's gone through the process of growth where that nerve has shrunk to where it needs to be. And likewise, as we serve the Lord and we pass on this gift, we are to mature, we are to grow, that we would want more of God's teaching, not less of it. Someone came to me this morning and said, I'm so thankful for you, I love you, and I just want you to know, I hate your sermons. (laughs) And then they smiled and said, you know what I mean by that. I said, I know what you mean. She was saying it, There's a piece of the message on a regular basis that rubs against the grain, rubs against the the flesh, the self-centeredness. And what we need are more Christians who actually would say such things. The, The message I hear is challenging, but it isn't to condemn you and it isn't to beat you up. It's to show you that Christ is inviting you as a sinner into his very community of other sinners and into his very presence. It's an invitation for a new purpose. It's an invitation to receive a gift. It's an invitation that we could admonish and teach one another, as Colossians says, so that we can grow in our thankfulness. Someone said to me a few weeks back after one of the messages, I need to pray for my church more. Well, now here's the next question. You, my friends, have something to give your church. And I know inevitably some of you in here will say, you know, I don't have anything I can give. I'm not mature enough. That's a bunch of garbage. And all it takes is just a little bit of reading in the New Testament to see Christians or people who were once Christians and overnight became Christians who immediately began to serve Jesus with just even the teeniest bit of information they had. We're not looking for people who have it all together. We're not looking, God's not looking to and fro for someone who's going to be just the best Christian ever. You're going to be so obedient and so awesome. No, no, no. God's looking for somebody who sees that Jesus gave himself away. And Jesus served you and he loved you and he gave you of his time. He gave you his treasure. He gave you his talent. And now he's asking us to do the same. You know, the greatest gift we can give each other is Jesus, but the greatest gift we can give each other is trust and dependence upon Jesus. I mean, what is one of the greatest gifts that Jesus has given us? Well, God the Father has given us his son, amen. And then what did Jesus give us when he ascended on high? The Holy Spirit. He has given you a gift. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper to be with you in forever. Have you ever noticed, right, we talked about Calvary Chapel a little bit last week. One of the things that Calvary Chapel is known for, the, the part of the Calvary Chapel that, that I was part of, we had on the back of every stage of every church that came out of our church was the curf- cursive words, Jesus. Right, but if you've ever been to a Calvary Chapel in SoCal or almost anywhere else, who knows the number one thing they typically hang on their back wall? The dude said the devil. Did someone say the devil? Okay. It's like, dang, we're going to start a fight in here real quick. (laughs) A dove. Because that's how the spirit is depicted. Right? This gift is a dove, gentle, beautiful. Have you ever wondered, right? You ever noticed, like, he didn't give us a buzzard, (laughs) right, to hover over us and to pick at us. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit doesn't 
you know, buzzard around and take nosedives every now and then to take chunks of flesh out of you. It's not a screeching hawk diving from above to cause fear upon you. It's definitely, the Holy Spirit's definitely not a hummingbird, right? Work your little wings as hard as you can, but don't actually go anywhere. No, he's a dove. God has given us something that is, that is comforting, an example of purity and holiness, maturity. The dove is an image of maturation. Come to this place where you are gentle and lowly in heart. That's the gift that Jesus gives us. You don't have to be great in this world to be great. In fact, to be great, you have to become last. Paul wants us to mature. He says it like this in Colossians 1.28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Do you hear it? God cares about your spiritual maturity. He cares about how you think and how you pray. He cares about how you view Scripture. He goes on, and Paul says, I want to present everyone in Colossians mature in Christ. And then he adds to this idea of service, the same stuff that's in Romans, right? For this I toil, struggling with all my energy. Paul says, I'm toiling, I'm working. I've got calluses on the hands of my spirit. Well, listen to this. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Paul says this about coming to the Thessalonians. He says, we were gentle among you, just like the Holy Spirit. Now listen carefully, because I'm talking about maturity and that service helps us mature. Service helps us grow in Christ. And listen to what he says, because the language in here is language that's important for the church. It's important for us to know. He says this, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Does that not seem like maturity to you? There is no one more mature than a nursing mother. 100%. Right? Nothing else matters in that moment. There is no self-seeking. It is only self-giving. If we're honest, man, we can see this idea in mothers of service, a slave to Christ. Can I just say to those of you who are at home, those of you who are homeschooling your children, especially during this winter, thank you. You have done an incredible thing. And you have made an incredible sacrifice for your children. And I know it isn't easy. You know how I know it isn't easy? I live with one of those teachers. And I live with her students. And it's an incredible sacrifice. He goes on in verse 8, he says, So being so, this is First Thessalonians 2, so being, uh, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. You hear the heart of Paul again, it's full circle. I want to give you, I want to be with you, I want to spend time with you, I want to give you myself. It says, because you've become very dear to us. Verse 9, you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil, we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim the gospel of God. Verse 11, for you know how like a father with his children we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you 
and charged you to walk in a manner worthy, that's maturity, of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Do you know what this passage says to me in this moment? The church is in desperate need of fathers and mothers. Spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. This is a call for those of you who are older in our congregation, don't stop engaging because we need you. This is a call for those of you who are younger, even like myself, I'm 44, but I still have a lot of young kids. It's a call for those of you who are younger to say, I need to listen and draw near to older people. So I said a few weeks ago, if we're going to serve well, we've got to bring our kids into that. But if we're going to serve well, we need to be serving in groups of diversity. Right? If, if you're prone to hang out, if you're in your 20s and you're prone to hang out with people in your 20s, how are you ever going to mature past your 20s if you don't know anybody in their 30s or 40s? And so on and so forth. Have you ever realized that the, the older self always looks back at the younger self as less than mature? How many of you can look back 15 years ago and go, I was so much more mature then? <laughs> Anybody? No. So we always need that older generation that the older generation cannot leave and it cannot pass and it cannot disengage. I'm thankful for Sandy Hoy, who still serves in Children's Church. Thankful for Mavis, who still serves in Children's Church. Thankful for Carol and, and Becky, who all serve in Children's Church. These are older individuals who serve, but you know what we need more of? Can I be honest with you this morning? Can I be frank? And can I allow the word of God to dictate to you conviction? We need older men. And we need younger men who want to be older men. Because right now our younger men, as I go back to the original quote, the younger men in our generation are entrapped with still being younger men. Where's the heart of service to be willing to die for a wife? To be willing to die for your children? Heck, we live in a generation now where men, young men, don't have the the guts to walk up to a woman and say, can I take you out sometime? I mean, I could, use, I could use the next 10 minutes of our time together to just coach some of the single guys in their 20s how to ask a woman out. <laughs> hey, man, it's the truth. Because our society, with all of its internet, all of its knowledge, all of its, you know, <laughs> we're not maturing. We're staying juvenile. You know what, sometimes in order to serve the Lord, you got to get up early. you got to go to bed later. you got to pray. you got to be willing to do things that someone else isn't going to do. Titus 2.2, and we'll close here in just, just a few moments. Um, the clock back there says 10.40. I usually end at 11.30. So. <laughs> I am going long. I'm sorry. Titus 2.2, and we'll close with this. Encouragement for our older men and our older women. Older men are to be sober-minded. This is maturity. Dignified. Self-controlled. Sound in their faith. 
sound in their love and in their steadfastness. They don't give up. They keep doing it. They keep coming. They keep going. Verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. The best gift our older folks can give to our church is a model of life that is in line with the gospel and teaching other young men and other young women how to do the same. How can we do this in just an hour's segment on a Sunday? You can't. This is the launching pad. But in order for us to grow in our maturation to Christ, that we would proclaim that gospel well, all of us must engage outside of Sundays. The four weeks we've spent are small. It's not long enough. I could get into all the other areas you could serve, all the different ways we can serve. But the end of the day, the Spirit has to speak to you through the Word and say, it's now time to move past the childhood stuff and to start moving into maturity. The world knows how to serve itself, and so do you. But let's serve the Lord, and let's serve one another. Let's pray. We'll sing. Went a little long. We've got food next door. We're just going to make a full day of it, you know? And, uh, yeah, stand with me, please. Let's pray with one another. Lord, we... We invite you in, Lord, to the process of our lives. There is much for us to learn, much for us to grow in. We're thankful, Lord, though in Romans that we see in this quick little introduction Paul's love for you and the gospel. We're thankful, Lord, that Paul shows us what it is to have this open heart and service, that he serves with his soul. He serves with his spirit. May we be open in heart. In addition, Lord, he has this spirit of gratitude. He's thankful for all. May we be thankful for all. And Lord, he served in prayer for his congregations. May we too pray. Lord, he was willing to go. He was submissive to you. May we be willing to go and to be submissive to you. He was a man of community and a man of generosity. He really wanted to be with the people and to give them a gift. May we also have generous hearts with a desire and affection for you, but also one another. We trust you for that work and our sanctification and maturation, Lord. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Hey, church, um, if you have kids next door, feel free, please go get them. We're going to sing some songs. We have two songs to end here. There's communion that's up, up front here. If you want to take communion today, 
Come on up at your leisure. Grab it. But please grab your kids first, maybe, and then come back. Let's sing together. And I will not 